This is Tailgate Till May, part of the Believe Podcast Network. If you love college sports and you like to have a little action on the games, then this is the place for you because I'm your host, Stephen Gorgie, and I love both of those things too. I'm excited to be back for another episode to preview a big week 13, the final week of the regular season in the world of college football. But before we dive into that, just a reminder, you can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all at the same handle at Gorg on Sports. And then let's before we get into this thing, too, I just want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. I'm coming to you on Friday afternoon. So I know this is a week of college football where we got games started on Thursday. There's a bunch of games going on today. Uh, had some things going on this week. And uh, so we're just going to focus on the Friday or the Saturday slate rather in today's episode. Put a few bets out there on Twitter. Took Iowa plus three. Uh, for the early one of the early games on Friday. And as I record that right now, that looks like it's a 10-10 game in Lincoln between Iowa and Nebraska. And then for tonight, taking Oregon State plus 14 in a rivalry game against Oregon. Look, Oregon's looked really good, but they haven't really played anybody that is a that is a super super talented team or on their level or even on Oregon State's level since they played played Washington so interested to see how they fare in a rivalry game the uh, last in the Pac-12 a game that Oregon State won last year and I still think Oregon State's a very good team I think they could have won that game against Washington a week ago they didn't come out on top but I still think they are a very uh, high quality football team that will give Oregon a game tonight and I just think two touchdowns is too much in that game so for tonight going with Oregon State plus 14 but there is one game that is overshadowing everything else this week and that is the game Ohio State goes to Michigan, they go to the big house, and they are looking to break this two-game Michigan win streak without Jim Harbaugh on the sideline. That's a big opportunity there. You know, everything around this Ohio State program really this year, this past offseason, has been, can they beat Michigan this year? We saw how fired up Ryan Day was after that Notre Dame win where he called out Lou Holtz, and we had some fun with that. Everybody had some fun with that one. But it's because I I think there is this feeling of pressure both internally and externally on Ryan Day, Ohio State's head coach, who is has now coached 62 games at Ohio State, and he's 56 and six. And people talk about him as if he failure is a strong word, maybe not a failure, but as if he has something to prove because they've lost to Michigan two years in a row. And that's what's riding on this game. It, it's a huge legacy game as far as Ryan Day is concerned. Uh, look, the reality of the situation is at certain schools, at Ohio State, at Michigan, at Florida State, at Alabama, at Auburn, at Florida, there are certain games that mean more than others. And when you have a big rivalry like that, that game means a lot. And when you're Ohio State and you were so accustomed to winning that game on a year-in and year-out basis and you really own the rivalry, losing two in a row feels like a lot. It feels like a long time. And even more so, the way those games 
were lost to Michigan. A couple years ago, Michigan just really ran the ball down their throat. And then last year, they had to bring a safety down to try to stop the run. And Michigan just hit them over the top over and over and over again. So we got that riding on the line. And then, of course, you have the Big Ten title, the Big Ten East title riding on the line. Whoever wins this game will go to the Big Ten championship game and will be about a three-touchdown favorite over Iowa in that game. This could be a college football playoff elimination game. Now, yes, we saw both of these teams in the CFP a year ago, but there's no guarantee this year that that's going to be the case because there's so many undefeated teams still left in college football. There's five undefeated teams in college football, and they are, for the most part, spread around the country. Ohio State and Michigan are the only two undefeated teams in the same conference. So, you know, it's no guarantee if Florida State is able to take care of business, if Washington is able to take care of business. I just don't see a scenario where an undefeated Washington, an undefeated Florida State gets left out of the college ball playoff for a one-loss Ohio State or a one-loss Michigan. So there would have to be some things go going right or there'd have to be some chaos for the loser of this game to get into the college wall playoff. So there is a lot at stake in this game for Ryan day, for both of these programs, for both of their national championship aspirations. And then last, but certainly not least my personal favorite. This is a world famous championship belt game. If you watch Fox big noon kickoff, you know, that Gus Johnson calls the Ohio State Buckeyes the world-famous Ohio State Buckeyes. Well, I made this rule at the beginning of the season. Every time Ohio State takes the field, it's a world-famous championship belt game. If you beat the Buckeyes, you take that world-famous title. So we got that on the line here. If Michigan wins this game, they are going to be, in my book, the world-famous Michigan Wolverines. And then if they go on, and they lose to, let's say, Georgia in the national in the college ball playoff, maybe in a national championship game, Georgia gets that title. That's meaningful to me. I mean, look, Gus can't just go on calling Ohio State the world-famous Ohio State Buckeyes when they lose. That title goes to Michigan. If they lose to Georgia, that title goes to Georgia. It's like you're playing pickup hoops at the park, right? Winner stays on. Winner gets the court. Well, in this case, winner gets the world-famous title. So we got that on the line. Don't forget about that. But in all seriousness, this is a huge game for both of these sides. And the one thing that I do wonder about this game, I mean, I there's a lot that I wonder as far as the narrative is concerned. But I wonder if this is, if we're kind of seeing the end of an era here when it comes to the importance of the regular season Michigan-Ohio State game. Because there is a lot changing after this season. And this could be the last great Michigan-Ohio State game we see on Thanksgiving weekend. The last time this game has this kind of stakes. Because next year, we're going to go to an expanded Big Ten. We're going to have USC, UCLA, Washington, and Oregon coming in. We're going to eliminate divisions in that conference. So the top two teams in the conference are going to play in the Big Ten championship game. And then, of course, we're going to a 12-team playoff next year. And I think if you look at a 12-team playoff, if you just project out what the 12-team playoff would look like this year, I think almost assuredly 
the loser of this game, if those, these two teams come into this game both 11-0, and 0, I think the loser is pretty safely going to be in the college football playoff. I really don't even think that's that's much of a question or something that's up for debate. And no matter how big the rivalry is, no matter how much tradition there is, when the stakes are the winner gets to go to the Big Ten championship game and gets possibly a bye in the first round of the playoffs versus the stakes are the winner gets to go to the Big Ten championship game in the college football playoff and the loser goes home. When the difference is just a who gets a bye, who gets to win the conference title, I think that changes things to a large extent, quite honestly. I think if we had a Michigan, there, there will be years where we will get a Michigan-Ohio State Big Ten championship game. There might be years where we get a Michigan-Ohio State game in the regular season, uh, Saturday after Thanksgiving, as always. They play again the following week in the Big Ten championship game, and then they might play a month later in the college football playoff. That is very real. That is very possible. And I don't necessarily think that lessens the rivalry, but it does change the rivalry. Because a Michigan-Ohio State game in a college football playoff semifinal, for example, or a national championship would be huge. I don't think anybody looks at the Duke-North Carolina basketball rivalry and says that playing in the Final Four in Coach K's last season wasn't an incredible moment for the rivalry. It clearly was. It enhanced the rivalry. Basketball is a little different because you usually play two times. There's been years where Duke and North Carolina play twice in the regular season. They play in the ACC tournament, right? That's that's happened. It's common. But it does change things because we are so used to seeing Ohio State-Michigan one time where that one game that's all is all that matters. And I think in the future, a college ball playoff is cert- meeting is certainly going to be more significant than this regular season game. So I think there will be change. There certainly will be change. And I don't know that it will be for the worse, but it will be different than what we have right now. It will be different than what we've seen and come to expect for years and years and years, where you have one chance to beat your rival. You have one chance to beat Michigan. You have one chance to beat Ohio State. And if Ryan Day fails to do that for the third straight year and he loses his, I think it's his sixth, seventh total game. I know I said it already. He's lost six, six in his time at Ohio State. This would be his seventh total loss. But three of them would be to Michigan. That causes a problem, right? Because it's that game is that important. In an alternate reality where Ryan Day lost last year to Michigan, they win that Georgia game, which they very easily could have. They were a missed kick away from winning that game. They were a Marvin Harrison injury away from winning that game. If he goes on, he beats he beats Michigan in a national championship game. If Michigan had gotten by TCU and Ohio State wins the rematch, does anybody really care that he lost to Michigan in that last game in the, of the regular season? I don't think so. I can't tell you two seasons ago who it was, who who won the two regular season meetings between Duke and North Carolina. I can't tell you who won those games, but I, I know for sure 
North Carolina won the game in the final four. So I don't necessarily think either way is better or worse. I just think it's going to be different. And college football is so built on tradition. And I've been a big proponent of the fact that I think we're losing a lot of what makes college football special with all of the expansion and and some of these changes in the sport. I'm not sure this does make anything worse. It, It certainly will lessen the importance of this one game, but it will kind of come together to make something potentially much greater in terms of this rivalry than we've ever seen before. But I think it's worth noting that things will significantly change in the sport going forward and things will significantly change with this rivalry this is certainly the end of an era with this rivalry and with a lot of rivalries like this so on to some of the matchups that i think are going to determine this game because look this is week 13 this is rivalry week but i went through the slate this weekend it's not my favorite slate i don't think it's the greatest slate but this one game is the one game that I think if you're a college football fan, you have to sit down and watch start to finish. If you care about this sport broadly, this is the one that I will be watching start to finish. This is the one that that I think most people will be watching start to finish. It's the one with the biggest implications. It's the one with the, with the best teams going head to head. And it's a huge rivalry to top that. And I, I've made my thoughts really well known already on who I'm picking in this game, how I'm betting this game. I I have two bets on this game. I have Michigan minus three and a half, but I also have Michigan minus five and a half that I got as a look ahead line like two weeks ago because I have been consistent in my thinking that Michigan should be about a touchdown favorite in this game. It's at three and a half, and I still think that's too low. And I'm not entirely sure what it's based on because if it's based on the fact that Michigan didn't look great against Maryland. I'm willing to just chalk that one up to a look ahead, a let down sandwich there coming off Penn state going against the Maryland team who I talked about it. And that's why I bet Maryland. It was kind of their last chance to pull off a real big upset in the Talia Tunga Vailoa era. It's, it was the last opportunity to finally beat one of those big three in the East that Maryland has just not been able to beat. And Talia being one of the better quarterbacks in at least recent Maryland history, it was a big opportunity for him, that team and that program. So I thought they would play them pretty well. They played them well last year. Illinois played Michigan well in the same spot last year. So I am willing to kind of write that one off. Honestly, if that's why you think, Ohio State's going to win this game, should be favored, or is going to win this game, or is going to give them a game. Uh, I don't think that's the right way to approach it, quite honestly. Now, the argument that I could get behind when I think about Ohio State is Ohio State has the best player offensive weapon on either side in Marvin Harrison Jr. That That's something I can get behind. I could get behind the idea that with Travion Henderson now back in the lineup, Ohio State can run the ball a lot better. They're a much more effective running team with Travion Henderson back in the lineup than they all, than they were without him. He goes for nearly 150 yards against Minnesota, uh, almost 10 yards a carry. He is a weapon. He is an absolute weapon on that offense. And so maybe it is 
that Ohio State has the two best offensive weapons in this game in Marvin Harrison and Travion Henderson. But you know what? I, at the end of the day, still think that Ohio State is a worse version of Michigan. Whether intentionally or unintentionally, it seems like Ohio State's identity has been changed to this defensive first unit, this defensive first team like Michigan has been. And, and you know, I think certainly Ohio State wanted the defense to get better, and that's why they hired Jim Knowles, and that's been a big focus. But I don't think they wanted the offense to regress the way it has where it hasn't looked great Kyle McCord does not look like a quarterback who's at the same level as CJ Stroud and not CJ Stroud of last year even but CJ Stroud the first year that that he was thrust into the lineup I don't think Kyle McCord is really anywhere near what CJ Stroud was um So I like, I think the quarterback matchup favors J.J. McCarthy big time, I think, and Michigan. And I think J.J. McCarthy has taken a lot of flack for Michigan really just not throwing the ball a lot the last two weeks against Penn State. Now they they famously didn't throw a pass in the second half. And against Maryland, they didn't throw a ton either. But part of that reason is they didn't have to. I think you'll see that when they have to throw, J.J. McCarthy can make the throws. He's been very good this year. He's improved over a season ago. He's gotten even better in the deep passing game. Last year, if there was something you could kind of point to and say, okay, that's a bit of a weakness, I, I think it was that. But this year, on deep passes, he's completing 57% of his passes compared to 32% a season ago or 33% a season ago. He has thrown 10 touchdowns to one pick. And last year he threw five touchdowns to one pick. Uh, his yards per attempt is uh, is up in, in those situations. And he's made more a higher percentage of big-time throws, according to PFF, in, in those situations than he did a year ago. He's been really good throwing the deep ball. He's also been better throwing the intermediate ball, 10 to 19 yards. That's been better for him. And I think we saw even last year in that game against Ohio State, he could hit the deep ball when Ohio State was bringing a safety up, and Ohio State had to bring a safety up to stop the run. And I don't really see... I think that's what this game is all going to come down to once again. Can Ohio State stop the run without bringing a safety down into the box? Because when they bring that safety down into the box, it's going to open things up for the passing game. And I think J.J. McCarthy has actually improved enough. I mean, he did it last year, but I think he is an even better player now where if you have to bring a safety down, if you can't stop the run, He is going to make you pay. And that's why I continue to feel so confident about Michigan in this game. I haven't even gotten to the fact that I think Michigan is outside of, I guess, Iowa, the best defense in college football. Ohio State has struggled to run the football this year. And I know with, with Travion Henderson, they are a different team than without Travion Henderson. But Michigan doesn't let anybody run the ball on them. I think that it's just, let me just confirm here. Let me double check for you because I want to make sure I get this these facts right. Only one team has gone for five yards per carry against Michigan, and that's Nebraska. And that's also a game that 
Michigan won 45 to seven. It, w- it was never in doubt. That is the only team who has been able to go for five yards a clip against Nebraska. Penn State, close, 4.7. But nobody except Nebraska has gotten to five yards a carry. They held Maryland to half a yard per carry. Maryland could not run the football at all against Penn State. Now, some of that is definitely driven by sacks because Celia Tungvaloa got sacked several times in that game. Uh, But overall, the point remains, Michigan has a very stout defense, and it's a defense that I I don't even know if it gets as much credit as it should. Michigan is built to run the ball down your throat, play great defense, and then hit deep shots when they're available. And I just don't see Ohio State doing that better than Michigan. Ohio State's path to victory would have to be getting the ball in the hands of Marvin Harrison quickly and letting him make plays, letting him be the best receiver in the country. But the thing that kind of concerns me about that is that Kyle McCord, if you look at his PFF page, if you look at his pro football focus stats, the thing that he is worst at is that intermediate passing game. He's pretty good at throwing the deep ball. He is. Nearly 50% completion percentage, six touchdowns, no picks, a bunch of big-time throws. But when you look, and then if you look at the short passing game, uh, zero to nine yards, he's pretty good there as well. It's that intermediate passing game where he struggles. Every single interception he's thrown this year has been in that intermediate passing game. And I feel like that could be part of the path to victory is getting the ball to Marvin Harrison in space in that intermediate passing game and letting him make plays. I just don't have faith they can do it. So at the end of the day, despite having the two best offensive players on the field, I have more faith in the Michigan defense. I have more faith in J.J. McCarthy. I have more faith in the Michigan running game. And I don't think Ohio State can out-Michigan Michigan. Now, maybe... They scheme something up. Maybe they're getting guys open deep, and then they're saying, hey, J.J. McCarthy, you need to throw the ball 40 times to win this game. But it doesn't feel like that's how this Ohio State team is built. It seems like they are built with this idea that they're, they're going to beat Michigan by being more like Michigan. I actually think... You have a better chance to beat this Michigan team. You have to have a requisite amount of talent on the lines, right? You got to have a line that can compete with them on both sides of the ball. But I think being built more like a TCU last year would give you a better chance to beat Michigan. And I just don't see Ohio State being built like that. So, look, this is the game. It's a huge rivalry. Uh, There's a lot of pressure on Ohio State. Uh, I think even more so now that Jim Harbaugh won't be coaching in this game. It's like there's no excuse, it feels like, for Ryan Day not to win this game. I don't necessarily feel that way, but I've heard that from, you know, from others out there who talk college football, who cover college football from Ohio State fans. I think Ohio State fans might feel that way. Like, there is no excuse now not to beat Michigan. Uh, 
so you know you, you have that aspect of things and anything can happen in a big rivalry game but i think michigan is on the warpath. Michigan is built to get to a national title, and I think they take care of Ohio State once again. So give me the Wolverines, minus three and a half in this one. I'll also keep riding with that five and a half I took a couple weeks ago. All right, that's your showdown breakdown, the big game in week 13, the one that I'm definitely going to be watching start to finish at the noon time slot. But now it's time to spray the board. Let's go through the whole Saturday slate. So, of course, that's going to be the big one at noon. Other games I'm going to be watching at the noon time slot, I guess, as on a secondary screen. I guess some combination of AM, A&M against LSU and Kentucky at Louisville, Louisville trying to go 11 and one in Jeff Brom's first year would be a huge accomplishment. It's going to be unbelievable if you look back and say that team won 11 and one and they would have been 12 and 0 if they didn't lose to Pitt. So a big chance there for Louisville to finish off a great year one uh, in Jeff Brom's first regular season. And then they'll go on with a chance to play Florida State to win or a chance to win the ACC title against Florida State next weekend. The other game I mentioned is that AM LSU game. And that is a game that is always wild and crazy. And I was surprised by this line, this line of LSU minus 10 and a half. And I'm going to take AM in this game. I think there is still a lot of talent on that AM defense. No, they're a little banged up, but I think there's still a lot of talent on that AM defense. Jimbo Fisher did get fired, yes, but let's not forget they absolutely smashed. Mississippi State, that weekend that he got fired, I can't remember who they played last week in the in Cupcake Saturday in the SEC, but they played somebody, they beat them pretty good. I don't see, this This line just seems too much for me for uh, an AM defense that is still very good, an LSU defense that really has never gotten things figured out, uh, and it's kind of just been covered up by Jaden Daniels and his incredible season. So give me AM plus 10 and a half. I think when you have that much talent, they still seem somewhat motivated to play. I haven't necessarily seen signs of quitting out of this team. Uh, and in a game that is, I hesitate to call it a rivalry game, but it is developed into a game that is usually wild and wacky and resembles a rivalry game. So give me AM plus 10 and a half at the noon time slot. And then look, I'm going to shoot big this week. Give me AM as the first leg of my money line parlay of the week. Moving on to the 3.30 time slot. I can't say there's one main screen game here. So I'm going to tell you the three games that I'll be keeping my eye on at this time slot. Of course, you have the Iron Bowl. Alabama goes to Auburn. And yes, weird things do happen in the Iron Bowl, but it doesn't seem likely this year with Auburn coming off that loss to New Mexico State a week ago. I think the interesting, intriguing thing in this game is Hugh Freeze is a guy who essentially has made his whole reputation in coaching from beating Alabama a couple times about 10 years ago. And, you know, it seems like that's a big part of why Auburn hired him 
And it'll be interesting to see what he can do against this Alabama team in his first year on the job. On the flip side, Alabama seems like they are playing their best ball at the right time. They seem like they have figured a lot of things out. They see It seems like Jalen Milrow has really grown and progressed throughout the season. And they are going to have a huge SEC championship matchup with Georgia next week. Interesting to see how they come out and they play in this one. Another game with conference title implications is BYU going to Stillwater to take on Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State uh, has a good chance to make the Big 12 championship game with a win. There's a lot of tiebreaker stuff going on there. Some of it depends on the result of the Texas, Texas Tech game tonight. But if Texas beats Texas Tech tonight, Oklahoma will control its own destiny tomorrow and will advance to the Big 12 championship game with a win. So I will certainly be keeping an eye on that one, but I don't think I'm going to be betting that one. I don't I don't have a bet in that one necessarily. Oklahoma State is a 17-point favorite in that one. And then the third game that I'm going to keep an eye on there is Washington State going to Seattle to take on Washington in a rivalry game similar to the Oregon-Oregon State rivalry. It'll be the last one that's played where both are members of the Pac-12. Washington, you know, you got when you look at this one, I've seen it 15 and a half. I've seen it 16 and a half. If it got to 17, if it got to Washington minus 17, I, I think I would have to take Washington State here. Washington State had an up and down season, but I mean, if you look at what Washington's done the last month, they're not beating. They're not beating a team of this caliber by seventeen points. You look at the games Washington has played, and they have all been close over the last month. Of course, they had that two point win over Oregon State a week ago. They beat Utah by seven. They beat USC by 10. They beat Stanford by nine. They beat Arizona State by eight. They beat Oregon by three. They beat Arizona by seven. That's the last seven games they've played. The last seven games they've played, the biggest margin of victory, the largest margin of victory has been 10 points. And Washington, I know, is maybe not what we wanted them to be or thought they might be at certain points of this season. Certainly not what I thought they could be after they were started the season 4-0 and beat Oregon State. I thought that was kind of a separation game, and those two teams have really gone opposite ways since then, where Washington State loses six in a row after starting the season four and oh uh but i still think washington is good enough to keep this one close in a rivalry game if it gets to 17 i i'm gonna have to hop on washington state there other games i'm betting at this time slot wisconsin and minnesota under 43 and a half that total seems wildly high to me for a wisconsin minnesota game I know Braylon Allen came back for Wisconsin uh, last week. I know they ran the ball better with him in the lineup, but look, they still ran the ball 40 times for 156 total yards. That's 3.9 yards per carry. Tanner Mordecai could only put up 160 yards through the air in that game. Uh, I don't trust either one of these offenses. I don't, really see why this would be some big score fest you look at the uh, the last few games wisconsin has played and i know some of these are without braylon allen but before beating nebraska 24 to 17 the last time they had scored over 14 points 
was a 25-point outburst against Illinois, which was uh, in towards the end of October, about a month ago. This is just not a Wisconsin. This Wisconsin offense is, is not explosive. It's not efficient. It's not an offense that I expect to put up a ton of points, and neither is Minnesota's. It's going to be cold in Minneapolis this weekend. I looked at the weather. It's going to be you know in the high 20s, low 30s. I, I don't see any reason to expect this game to be any different than what you expect a Wisconsin-Minnesota game to be. It's going to be cold. Uh, there's not going to be a lot of scoring. And that under 43 and a half looks pretty good to me. Last year, 39 points. The year before that, 36 points. The year before that, 37 points. Give me the under in, in one of the last great Big Ten West battles. I'm going to stick in the Big Ten for my next leg uh, or for my next bet, and it really hurts me to do this, but I'm going to have to go with the Rutgers Scarlet Knights on the money line hosting Maryland as my second leg of the money line parlay of the week. I really think Rutgers should be favored in this game. Rutgers has the kind of defense that gives Maryland a lot of trouble. Rutgers is going to be able to get after Talia Tungavailoa. I think Rutgers is going to be able to stop the run. And Maryland has shown that it's, they're iffy. They are not a consistent program. Maryland's, Maryland's kind of trademark to me has been its inconsistency. They, they start the season pretty nicely, right? But even in some of those wins, they were inconsistent, but they do get out to a 5-0 and start. They play Ohio State really close for a half. They're almost there against the Buckeyes. They make some mistakes at the end of the first half. They end up losing by 20, and it sends them in an absolute tailspin, losing games they're favored in against Illinois, then losing at Northwestern, coming off a bye, another game they were favored in. They get blown out by Penn State, rebound against Nebraska in a, in a really ugly win and then play Michigan tough last week, but they are not consistent on a week to week basis. I trust this Rutgers defense. I think more than I trust anything else in this game. If you don't watch Maryland on a week to week basis, if I asked you about Maryland, if I asked you about Maryland's uh, about what Maryland does well, what the strength of this team is, you would almost certainly say, it's the Maryland offense. That's that's really not the case. Maryland's defense has been better than its offense this year, and I trust Rutgers' defense more than I trust Maryland's. To be honest with you, so give me the give me Rutgers here. Give me the Scarlet Knights as my second leg of the money line parlay of the week here. And just to kind of reiterate some of this with some facts here, Maryland's offense and SP plus is ranked number 56. Maryland's defense is ranked number 28. Rutgers' defense is number 20. Now, Rutgers' offense is number 94. I don't think this is going to be a high-scoring affair. I don't think uh, we'll see a ton of points in this one, but I, I just think Rutgers at home gets the job done. I don't think these two teams are as far apart as some may think. And then the other game I'm going to bet at this time slot, and it is going to finish off my money line parlay of the week, it's going to be Virginia. Virginia on the money line to beat Virginia Tech at home. This is a rivalry that 
Virginia Tech has dominated for a long, long time. Uh, Virginia is a, a two and a half point dog in this one. But I, I really feel like the way Virginia has played, I don't think feel like Virginia and Virginia Tech are drastically different teams in any way, shape, or form. I actually feel like they're really similar. And I feel like uh, Virginia is a team that, you know, I've been on them a ton this year. They've gotten some big wins. They play every game close. They beat Duke last week. And as a dog, I really like Virginia. So give me the Cavaliers to finish out the season strong, beating their rival to finish four and eight on the season and, and build some real momentum going into next year. So my money line parlay of the week is AM to beat LSU, Rutgers to beat Maryland. Unfortunately, I hate that I'm doing that, but I really do think that's what happens. It, it hurts me as a Terps fan. And then Virginia to take down Virginia Tech. Um, a couple other games that I'll, I'll talk about or one other game I'll talk about and then I'll finish out with the rest of my bets. The primetime game that I'm most interested in watching is Florida State, Florida. I want to see how Florida State looks without Jordan Travis. I, I don't know a much about this backup, Tate Rodemaker. I'm not betting this game. Florida will be without their starting quarterback, Graham Mertz as well, who has been really good for the Gators this year. But this is going to be a real gut check game for Florida State. Going into the swamp, having to come out with a victory to keep their college ball playoff hopes alive. I'm definitely interested in sitting down and, and watching this one and seeing what Florida State is really made of here. And then a couple other bets uh, in the Big 12 to finish things out here. So I am going to bet Kansas State minus 9.5 versus Iowa State. This is going to be a fun one to watch because there's a little bit of snow in the forecast. So uh, from what I'm reading on from the National Weather Service, there's th the amount of snow could fluctuate a lot based on just, you know, little shifts in in the pattern there i'm not a weather expert i'm not a meteorologist and i can't really break it down for you but there is the potential for snow in this game they might get like three to five inches they might not get a lot who knows uh but either way i love kansas state minus nine and a half in this game kansas state has been an absolute juggernaut at home this season and they've been good on the road too but at home they are a different team in every home game they've played, they have scored at least 40 points. Not only that, the defense has been excellent at home. They did the last game out they at home. They beat Baylor 59-25. But before that, shut out Houston 41-0. Game before that, beat TCU 41-3. So this is a, a, a very good team at home. Uh, good offensively, good defensively. I If it does snow, Iowa State is going to have to run the ball, and that's not something they do very effectively. I was big on Texas shutting down their run game last week. I, I'm going to go back to that well again, and I'm also going to bet Iowa State under 17.5 points on their team total. That is a minus 130 bet. Uh, but I really like it. I think Kansas State shuts them down. I think especially if there's snow, there is no way Iowa State is going to be able to get to that 17.5-point threshold. I don't trust them to run the ball. I really like Kansas State in this one to finish out the season strong. So give me Kansas State minus 9.5. Give me 
Iowa State's team total under 17 and a half. And then my last bet of the weekend in this week 13 is going to be West Virginia over 33 and a half points on their team total against Baylor. West Virginia has been very, very good this season against the bottom tier of the Big 12. A week ago, they beat Cincinnati 42 to 21. Two weeks before that, they beat BYU 37 to 7. They uh, beat UCF 41 to 28. And Baylor is certainly at the bottom of this league. Baylor has had a, a nightmare of a season. And in large part, it has been because of their defense. I mean, they've had problems on both sides of the ball. But a week ago, they give up 42 points to TCU. Week before that, 59 to Kansas State. Uh, we've seen other big performances in the 30s from other teams this year. Uh, even when they beat UCF, they give up 35 to them. West Virginia runs the ball really well. West Virginia, it's it's so funny with Neil Brown coming from the air raid that they're such a good running attack, but they really, really are. And I got to give props to West Virginia and, and Neil Brown for kind of fitting his personnel and figuring out what works there. I like this West Virginia offense. I think this West Virginia offense could be one of the better ones in the Big 12 next year. I like the Mountaineers to, to get to eight and four, get to eight wins on the year, which is a huge accomplishment for a program picked to finish four. 14th in the league uh, for a coach who was on everybody's hot seat list to start the season. But the way that I like this best is West Virginia over 33 and a half. So give me the Mountaineers to hit that team total over. All right, that is my, those are my college football bets for week 13. I want to finish out the show with a quick college basketball thought because look, there has been a ton of college hoops this week. We've had Atlantis going on. We have had Maui. There's so much going on in the world of college basketball in Feast Week. And I haven't been betting a ton of it because I just don't feel super confident yet. Like I'm able to find value. And, you know, look, and there's one thing about me I always want you all to no, I'm going to be honest. Like I only give out, I only post, I only say bets that I actually make bets that I'm actually putting in. And when I don't feel like there's value, I'm not going to bet. Uh, but there will be a lot more college basketball betting coming here shortly. It's, uh, it's just, I don't want to make bets that I don't believe in. And I don't want to post bets that I don't make. Uh, but my one takeaway from Feast Week here, and it may sound a little bit obvious, but coming off this whole offseason where it was all just Purdue lost to Fairleigh Dickinson. What's wrong with Purdue? Purdue was a fraud. Purdue established themselves once again as a easily number one seed contender, national championship contender, and Zach Eady established himself again as the best player in the country and as the favorite to win the national player of the year. In a three-day span, they took down Gonzaga, Tennessee, and Marquette. You are not going to find a more impressive uh, couple of wins than that anywhere else unless Purdue is able to take down Alabama and Arizona in back-to-back games later in December. I love what Zach Eady has done. Like, it's just, you go through this whole offseason, you don't see him, and you just remember that Fairleigh Dickinson game, and it's easy to forget 
how good this guy is. But he goes for 28 and 15 against Marquette with seven offensive rebounds, 23 and 10 against Tennessee, and 25 and 14 against Gonzaga. This guy is unreal. This guy is the best player in college basketball, and I think the supporting cast around him does look better as well. We saw Braden Smith have a really nice game against Gonzaga. Uh, we saw Fletcher Lawyer have some nice games. Uh, one that stood out to me for Fletcher Lawyer was against Tennessee, going 10 of 11 from the free throw line. He puts up 27 points in that game. I love this Purdue team. I love how they challenge themselves early in the year with this Maui tournament, with Alabama and Arizona and back-to-back games. This is a team that feels like they are being built to win a national title. That is their focus, winning the national title. And you know what? With the best player in the country in Zach Eady, I don't put it past them. So that is my one takeaway from Feast Week here is Purdue, really good. Zach Eady, really good. And uh, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that, but I, I felt like it's worth mentioning after a whole offseason where all anybody thought about was Purdue losing to 16 seed Fairleigh Dickinson. This does feel a bit like Virginia coming back after losing to UMBC and uh, winning the 2019 national championship. All right, that's our show for today. I can't wait to come back and break down all of the Rivalry Week action with you. Until next time, keep the grill hot and the cooler cold.